imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I have such a treat for you today. This uh, absolutely wonderful person. I've been reading uh, her work and it's it's just fabulous. Her name is uh, Tara Coyote and she's another uh, Hawaii resident. She's on a different island than I am, but it's it's nice to have another person from Hawaii here. And uh, hi, Tara, could you tell everybody a little bit about you? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Yeah, I have a long story, but I'll keep it in a nutshell. I have been working with people with grief with horses for about eight years now after the death of my best friend who died at the young age of 46. She died from acute myeloid leukemia. And in my experience in being with her and going through the loss of her, it was very heartbreaking. We were best friends for 19 years. I realized that there was no place in our culture for a healthy expression of grief. So I was already working with horses and humans in a healing capacity, doing equine facilitated learning. I owned a horse retreat center in Northern California. And so I combined the horse work that I did with some of the grief work that I resourced from Francis Weller's book, The Wild Edge of Sorrow. And I created these day-long events called Grief Rituals with Horses. So I've done them for many, many years. I've done Zoom grief rituals. I've traveled around the country or the world teaching this. I, I train facilitators to do the grief work, people that are already horse facilitators, Um, So that's one thing. Another thing I'd like to mention is that I've been on a pretty harrowing journey with stage four cancer. A year after my best friend died, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. That's a whole story I can get into later if you want. But in short, uh, four and a half years ago, I was recommended to hospice with cancer throughout my body. It was in my breast, my lungs, my liver, my spine, my adrenal glands, my hip. Um, I was actively dying. I made a remarkable remarkable recovery. I ended up writing a book, Grace, Grit, and Gratitude, A Cancer Thriver's Journey from Hospice to Full Recovery with the Healing Power Forces. My whole story is in there. But I live in Kauai now, which is where my dad's from. And I moved back home when I was not doing well, when I was very sick. I live in an off-the-grid yurt. My two horses live outside my door and I'm very grateful to be alive. I'm very grateful to be here with you, talking with you today. It's just such an amazing story. There's so many elements in it that I I mentioned before we started. I could talk to you for a long time because there's so many different things we could discuss. I liked your positivity through through all this that's been going on. You said, "I'm I'm taking." charge essentially of what happens with me and I'm making my own decisions and I thought that's so powerful so many people when they get a diagnosis or they think they're going to get a diagnosis just fall into tell me what to do instead of paying attention and finding out what's really best for them exactly well said yeah there's 
a sense in our culture and in the medical industry of being playing a victim, you know, of like, oh, poor me. And, and it's a very difficult path. You know, any of us going through difficulty, it's challenging. But yeah, taking an empowered stance of a really sovereign way of being with whatever you're going through can be an incredible growth experience. I'm, I'm very grateful for this thing called cancer. And um, just to add a little bit to the grief part, because this is a grief podcast, I there's been a lot of deaths. A lot of my young friends have died young from cancer too. My closest friends, Deb, the first one, and a dear family member died young, the age of 47. My parents both died pretty tragically uh, in the last year and a half, two years within four month range. So I've experienced a lot of grief. For some reason, my lifetime is about facing grief, facing death, not only other people's deaths, but my own. So it's an interesting spot to be in and um, challenging, but I'm also very grateful for it. Yes. That is so interesting because I I talk to people and they go, well, I've never experienced grief before. And I thought, well, maybe you didn't experience it, but I can't imagine you haven't been had some exposure to people in your life who have died, who've transitioned. That just, it, it happens to all of us. None of us can get through this life without knowing somebody and loving somebody often that uh, it's become in many different ways to death through accidents or suicides or cancer or any way that you, you can die. And each, each one is an individual experience and they're all different. It doesn't matter what it's from. And I, I love how you've been uh, using horses I just think that that's so beautiful. The horses are just such powerful, beautiful beings that I could just, as as you were writing about it, as you were talking about the horses, I could I could almost feel what it would feel like to be there with the horse. Can you describe to us like what equine therapy session would be like? What do you do? How does that work? Sure. Happy, happy to. Yeah, it's hard to describe. There's a magic that unfolds with the human and the horse. Basically, the sessions I do, I do private sessions, I do workshops, I do grief rituals. It's really about having self-awareness, self-exploration within your body with the horse. As you know, we're taught to suppress our emotions and our feelings, suppress our bodies. So, I first help my clients get in touch with their bodies through doing a body scan, get them in touch with their breath, and then I'll expose them to the horses. And it's pretty magical what can unfold when you spend time with a horse. A lot of people find it very calming. The horses can reflect whatever suppressed emotions are within you, whether it be grief, whether it be anger, frustration. Um, and a lot of it is, if you know about heart math, the whole idea of our hearts are actually much more stronger than our minds are. We're taught to think it's all in our brain, but it's more in our heart. And horses have incredibly huge hearts. So there's that heart resonance that happens when you're around them that is just naturally calming. And yeah, we work on things about boundaries and uh, the authentic self facing your shadow. There's leadership exercises there's a lot you can draw on, but basically it's just a very calming experience to be with a horse in general. 
Oh, that's so beautiful. I I I love heart math. If any of our listeners haven't read about it or heard about it, check it out because it's it's amazing. And I, as you were talking about the big heart of the horse, I was feeling about how the like your heart kind of radiates o- away from your body. And if you buy the horse with this really big heart, I can just see that energy kind of intertwining and, and bringing that comfort through that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they're very. Uh very wise evolved beings and they're a lot like whales or dolphins but they're these massively big creatures that also demand you have respect for them too i mean they're not aggressive i mean some horses can be but most horses are pretty loving but you have to be very aware on them too because they are such large creatures so there's something about that too which really makes you be present and be in your authentic self in the moment Oh, I love that. And you mentioned uh, grief rituals. Could you talk to us a little bit about the grief rituals? Of course. Yeah. So there are day long events, um, nine to five or so, where people will come and I'll do some art, doing a mandala to help people step out of their mind and into their subconscious. I do a body scan, like I mentioned, to help people tap into their body. We spend time with the horses in a reflective manner so people can start tuning into whatever's there. And a lot of times people come to a grief ritual and they haven't felt like there's a safe space for them to express it because we are taught to suppress our grief, as you know. And um, a lot of times people are just so ready and willing to be in that safe space. Um, But there's also some anxiety too. It takes a lot of courage to show up for a grief ritual. So I find that when people show up for a grief ritual, there's a sense of like, oh, I can finally be heard. Like I'm in a safe space. So I really put a lot of energy into creating a safe container for people to feel like they can open up. Um, let's see, what else do I do? There's some teaching about the emotions and the messages behind grief, which comes from my teacher, Linda Kohonoff with an mess- emotional message chart. And then I do something called the pebble ritual. That's from Francis Weller's book, the wild edge of sorrow. He's a profound man who leads grief rituals. And um, it's this process of naming our grief with stones and putting them in a bowl of water, popcorn style. And we usually take an hour, hour and a half to do this. And at the end of the ritual, we pour the water symbolically onto the earth and let go of our grief. That's a very prominent part of the day. And then um, I do another exercise where we spend time with the horses calling out what we want to let go of and what we want to call in. So it's a whole day event that's very profound. And people, it was interesting because people would come there for a sense of like, oh, I'm grieving my father. But then they discovered that there's so many other layers of grief that they were processing, grief from the environment, grief for their childhood, whatever it may be. So it was a beautiful way to unite community and grief to know that you're not alone because most of the time when you're going through grief it's incredibly isolating and you feel like you're the only one on the planet going through it so that's it in a nutshell (laughs) that's that's amazing and I I love how you mentioned that we're we all go through so many different kinds of grief because a lot of times people feel that if it's their their closest like a a parent or a a sibling or a wife if it's not that that deep then it's then it doesn't count as real grief you know and there's lots lots of things that that we grieve ends of relationships and jobs uh pets dying here on maui grief from fires and 
even if you didn't know anybody, and it's kind of hard in Maui to know, not know somebody who was uh, severely affected by the fires that we had, it, we're all having this like collective grief. So there's so many different kinds of grief. So true. Yeah, I really feel for all of you on Maui. It's definitely impacted us here in Kauai. But yeah, my heart goes out to all of you because I can't fathom what it's like there. Uh, I'm, I've been uh, working on, on ways to help people here because it's just, it's pervasive. You know, even if you didn't live right where the fires are. I live in Pukalani, which uh, is about 35 miles away from Lahaina. It, it takes longer than 35 minutes to get there because we're not the mainland. <laughs> There's lots of curvy roads and things. But uh, there were fires all over the island. And one of the first ones started uh, just a couple miles from my house. And it, it, I woke me up in the middle of the night with a lot of smoke. And that was before the Lahaina star fire started burning. They, they were yeah, in different parts of the island. They just kept popping up all day long. And then they lasted for a long time because lots of them were in the, like the gullies on the side of the volcano here. You have these gullies. And when stuff starts burning down in there, there's no way you can get down in there to fight it. And they just kind of have to burn themselves out. So they burned a long time. And I ended up having a, a couple of evacuees stay here with me for about six weeks. Because they had animals. They had two dogs and two cats. And the shelters would accept people with one animal that was in either in a, those crate things or on a leash. But it was hard taking the animals into the shelters that were so crowded with so many people. And with two dogs and two cats, they, they just couldn't go there. And right. I have an apartment in my house, and the, the person who was living there happened to be on the, the mainland. And so she called me, and she said, can my friends come stay in my place? I said, absolutely. So we, we got to be with them. That it, it, was, it was communal like that. Anybody had anything they could give or do, they, they did, and they're still doing. And it's a, a beautiful way of experiencing grief together by supporting each other that's lovely that's how it should be communal grief shared because you're right it's how can it not impact you you know it's we all are very connected energetically and that's what i said we could feel it here in Kauai too although of course all of you felt it much more it's directly impacting you (laughs) yeah it's different uh you mentioned mandalas do, do the people do them individually or is it a group mandala that you create? It's individual, yes. I give people a black piece of construction paper and then we use those chalk crepas that are nice. They just show up really beautifully on the black paper. And I ask them, I lead them through a little meditation and I ask them to draw their grief. And I mm-hmm. emphasize, don't have to be an artist to do this. You know, it's not going to be graded and... And it was beautiful, or it is beautiful to see what comes out of it. It's a way for people to start opening up gently whatever's there within their heart. And um, yeah, because art is such a powerful way to release and to express oneself. Yes, so much. I, I love using art for grief. I know it's something that I used for me. I haven't, I didn't consciously seek it out, but... I ended up kind of falling into it with taking different art classes 
and it's so helpful. I've been, I, I never thought I could draw and I took an art class and discovered that I could and that I really enjoyed it. And it's, it's, it's like a meditation for me to do that. And it, it just feels so good. Now you can really kind of explore things that are going on by expressing them in a different way than just by talking about it or thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah. Our linear brain likes to make stories and it's usually how I have people introduce themselves to their mandala because I can show up at an event and be like, hi, my name's Tara. I live in Kauai. This is what I do. But that's one small linear aspect of myself. But if I open up and say, this is my mandala, I'm grieving the loss of my best friend. That way it opens up my heart and it opens up the hearts of others to know they're not alone because the purpose of it is a grief ritual. So it's yeah. important to the subconscious. It's very important. That um, I love that you love that. I love that. I love that you do that, but love that too, I guess. <laughs> Another thing that, that you talked about with approaching your treatment to grief in a non-traditional medicine way, that that was such a challenge. And that I guess in our society, we don't really support that. Like you, you your medical insurance doesn't cover all these things that are, are actual treatments that are saving your life, but our society doesn't see that. Can, do you, can you talk about that a little bit? With my journey with cancer, mm -hmm. you mean? Yeah, well, I have an interesting story where I did do natural for many years and I was doing very well until a stressful incident occurred and I was forced to sell my horse retreat center. And that's when the cancer spread throughout my body. It was an extreme amount of stress for a year. And then I, I had to face my fear of doing chemo, which I was terrorized to do because there was a lot of trauma around my best friend's death. So I ended up doing mainstream medicine, chemo, which I'm very grateful for. It saved my life. It was difficult, but I'm here to tell my tale. But all along, I've done um, complementary, which is non-toxic, the natural medicine, which is vitamins, you know, eating well, vitamin IVs with the standard medicine. So I really had to come to peace with that. I was terrified to do it. And I was in the public eye really promoting not doing chemo that it could kill. So it, it was been quite a process. But um, so now I really take a stand for both medicines that they both can serve because science has made some amazing advances so but it's also very important to keep your immune system strong and not just rely on the standard medicine so that's my stance of it and yeah I think natural medicines are wonderful um in my case I had to kind of fight fire with fire because my body was literally consumed with cancer so there is a time and place for everything and what works for me might not work for somebody else and vice versa so this is just my story and my experience, and I really encourage people to find what works for them, basically. I think that that's such an important point, because we we kind of bow to the authority of the medical system. If the doctor says it, then we have to do it. Uh, yeah. Lots of people live that way. And for like you to be open to whatever works for you is... I think that's great. And if, if we could see that, and I also could see when you were talking about some of the different things you were doing, I thought, well, we could all do that, you know, with eating better and not eating yeah. the processed foods and, and oh, yeah. doing things that are, are healthy for our bodies, just 
normally as part of our regular lives could allow us to have a much healthier experience whether or not we have a, a life-threatening illness, it, we yeah. can be better. Yeah, self-care is so important. I mean, it's that's what I tell people now. Like, don't wait until you ha- you're staring at your death with a serious diagnosis. Like, take care of yourself now. You can prevent this, or you can try to at least, so. mm-hmm. or make it better than it would have been if you didn't do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Oh, let me. I've got such a list. Uh- <laughs> You you kind of mentioned it, but with with releasing your beautiful horse sanctuary that you had, that that caused quite a, a physical reaction for you, and it, that might be kind of too hard to talk about. But I I thought being aware of what supports you uh, emotionally and and how you can deal with that. Because it, like the horses support you, support you emotionally, and you've had such beautiful relationships with friends. The that support is so beautiful, and I think sometimes we don't value that so much. People value getting up and going to work every morning and getting worn out by the time they get home, and then they're, they're not fostering these relationships and friendships. You you mentioned dancing a lot and the importance of just expressing yourself and and feeling good doing what you're doing for sure what is the question exactly well it wasn't really a question I think I just I was very touched by when you realized that uh, you weren't going to be able to keep the Uh, your beautiful ranch with the, the horses and all and it just sounded like such a magical beautiful place and to let that go I would think would be so devastating it was hard you know we humans we like to hold on to things our mind you know is prone to attachment so it was very painful because I worked so hard to create it and I had four beautiful horses and but the reality was that I couldn't stay and now I'm extremely grateful I had to leave because I think it it well I know it saved my life because the whole um hospital system there I didn't find it very warm and loving whereas I was booted back home to Kauai Hawaii where my dad's from and there's a lot of the aloha spirit here and I think coming back home here saved my life or I know it did so in a lot of ways these things that can be very tragic and devastating can actually be your greatest blessings and I see that because I needed to come home to Kauai to feel the mana of the earth here and the aina and be with my animals to heal, I I really believe that's a big part of my healing. Whereas there wasn't that outlet for me there. And I would have, you know, financially, I couldn't survive there once I had to close down my business. So, so yes, it was devastating. And at the same time, it was a great blessing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's, if, if we could in general, look for the blessing in the situations whatever the situation is, that there's so much more love and joy and happiness that we can experience if that's what we're focusing on instead of focusing on what's sad and hard and, and painful. It, it makes a big difference. When, one thing I was really impressed about you is you're traveling, that you haven't let this keep you home. 
uh, <laughs> your, your adventure adventure in New Zealand was so fabulous. I thought uh, if people can just allow themselves to get out of their comfort zone and do something really different that maybe they, they've always thought they wanted to do or they've discovered that this might be a neat thing to do. Can you tell us about your New Zealand trip a little bit? Of course. My New Zealand trip, that was, uh, gosh, that was a while ago, but I loved it. I, I traveled around. Well, first of all, I was invited to go there to teach at a horse conference and do the grief work with the horses. So it was a profound honor, but I figured, gosh, I'm traveling all the way to New Zealand. I might as well make a trip of it because I always heard it was so beautiful. So I ended up, I mean, it was a very quick trip overall. It was about 20 days and I traveled around the South Island in a van and I had some crazy experiences driving with a old van on the other side of the road anyways, in a crazy storm. And, uh, and then I went to North Island. I went to this horse conference, but it was beautiful. New Zealand is just so gorgeous and the people are wonderful. And yeah, I, I still dream of going back, but I'm still traveling. I just went to Tahiti recently and I swam with uh, whales, humpback whales. And that was Mm. incredible. And I have this philosophy of like, well, if I'm alive and I can do it, I'm going to go for it. Cause you never know. I've seen my own death and I don't know how much longer I'll be here. So I'm just going to live it, you know, and do the things that scare me. I swam with sharks last two weeks ago in Oahu and that was amazing. So yeah, (laughs) adventure runs in my family. My parents led wildlife safaris around the world. So this is kind of part of how my brother and I are wired from that upbringing. (laughs) That's so cool. I know that a, a lot of times that people think they can't do it. Like in your New Zealand trip, you were essentially on your own, uh, just doing it. And uh, after Ron died here on Maui, I thought there's places that I wanted to go and things I wanted to do that I just never got around to. And if I want to do them, I better do them now. <laughs> yes. And I did that. And I, I didn't let being by myself hold me back i went uh, to tuscany and to bali both with i i like to do ceramic sculpture and i love being around other people that are creative and the, the, there's a international organization of ceramists that take these trips different places and it was such a neat way to travel because i was by myself had my own rooms was on my own but at the same time there were people around me who were somewhat like-minded in creativity and in enjoying the ceramics and the things we could talk about and, and learn about. And so I didn't know anybody that was on, on either of the trips, but it, I got to experience so many beautiful things that I think if I would have just gone on my own, it would have been more like a, a tourist, which isn't very exciting to me. Right. Good. Good for you. Getting out and enjoying life. Those are beautiful places. Bali and Tuscany. I've been there and love them too. Oh, they, they were both just fabulous. Learning the cultures, about the cultures and the traditions. And you'd be amazed at how things like ceramics are so different from one country to another. Uh, and all you can learn with that and the beauty of that and try doing things in a different way that you wouldn't have realized they existed before. It just... Uh, I, I highly recommend it. I just think it's it's a really good thing to to do. If you want to do something, do it. Figure out a way to do it and, and go Definitely. there. Life is short. Live big. That's right. 
<laughs> well, I, I, as I said, I could talk to you all day long. I absolutely love your story. Uh, I think you're, you're beautiful and you're strong and you're brave in a way that I don't know if you realized that you were before you started expressing it as much as you did. And it just made, made your life for you to be so strong and brave like you are. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It's Sometimes life has some hard knocks and it's what you do with it that matters. I think it's kind of like sink or swim, you know, like you can have a hard incident and yeah, it can knock you down for a bit, but it's what you do with it. Like, well, are you going to let this totally ruin you or are you going to rise above and let it transform you? So that's what I try to do. It's not always easy, but I try my best. That it. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention too is you're supporting your friends who were going through things even before you were going through them. That it just was kind of natural for you to help them through their their journeys. Yeah, that was really painful. Actually, it's it's been very interesting because I've been a caregiver for many people with cancer. My mom died recently from cancer. My best friend, Deb, another dear friend and family member, Rowan. And um, so I have that side of it. And then the experience of going through it, almost dying myself. And I have to say from being on both sides, it's it's harder to be the caregiver because you love this person and you're doing your best, but it's a helpless feeling because you can't really control it. It was hard what I went through, but I was in my body and I could sort of manage what I chose to do each day. It's much harder when there's somebody you love who's not doing well and dying. It's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to be the one left behind, you know, somebody you love dies. So just saying that to people listening, going through grief, like I have a lot of compassion because yeah, I, I still cry about my best friend and my father and my mother. <laughs> it's just it grief just continues on in different ways, as you know. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us don't realize all all that we are grieving all the time, all the different things that are just, it's just part of life that it's that way. I taught yeah. writing for many years at the university. And early on when I was trying to have students figure, they go, I don't know what to write about. And so we were always trying to figure out ways to for them to be able to discover what they'd write about. And I said, well, uh, why don't you write, uh, make a list, make a list of everybody you know who has died or is uh, dealing with a, a really big illness or injury or that sort of a thing. And since they were doing it, I started doing it too. And my list just kept getting longer and longer and longer. And I thought, wow, I realized that I've not really been paying attention to this and really dealing with it and dealing with my feelings and how this affects me and what I could do to make my life be better because of the lessons that I learned. And the, the students were really surprised too, because a lot of them were young college students. Uh, anymore, most college students, it seems like, aren't young. Uh, but the, the young ones said, well, you know, I don't know anybody like that. But when they started making lists, they were coming up with people and and things and they, they were kind of surprised. So it, it it's an awareness thing. If you can if you become aware of things and you can deal with it, but if you don't pay attention, you, you can't deal with it. Yes. Yeah. And like 
no one escapes death and we all know at some point somebody has passed. <laughs> mm-hmm. It does. Well, it's been such a pleasure to visit with you and uh, to feel your energy, your, your positive energy is just so beautiful and hopeful. And you're, you're knowing that you're doing the best you can for what you want to do. And I, I just think that's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for doing work with you. It's beautiful to chat with you. I really oh. appreciate your presence. Thank you. And, and I really hi, rec- highly recommend your book. And I, I love listening to it. I usually read, but I thought that this was recorded by you. And I like that so much when you have the actual voice of the, the person who wrote the book. It, it just, I felt like I knew you before we met from listening to your story and your voice. So I, I highly recommend uh, either reading it or listening to her book. It's just beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Anytime anybody reads or listens to my book, oh, I'm so honored. I'm like, oh, you're listening to my story. It's still a little hard to believe. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And uh, I will have the, her, her book name and her website and everything in the show notes so that you can stay in touch with Tara uh, or find out more about her and find out more about equine therapy, which she, she fully supports. It always needs the financial support. So that's something you can pay attention to too, since you're talking about paying attention. So thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you again next time. Mahalo. Mahalo. And aloha. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.